0: Hi, and welcome to the Days Gone podcast. I'm Claire Weaver, a screenwriter, author, and Days Gone fan, and this podcast is a place to discuss the game in all its glory, share my opinions, both popular and unpopular, and listen to me fangirl over one of the best games ever made. There will be spoilers ahead, so continue at your own risk. Welcome to The Freak Show. This week is a very special episode, and I could not be more excited. I'm here with an amazingly talented actor who has voiced characters in video games like Mad Max, Uncharted Golden Abyss, Final Fantasy XV, Doom Eternal, and of course, in Days Gone, he voiced the delightfully hateable Schizo. I want to give a very warm welcome to uh. Jason Spisak. Hi, Jason.
1: Uh, hi, if, if there ever was a character in a video game you wanted to just kick in the nuts, it's Schizo. <laughs> And, and it's, it's, it's strange because in Uncharted Golden Abyss, John Garvin was the writer on that too. Um, and so he's with Bend Studios and John was the writer creator on Days Gone. And he's a big fan of Shakespeare and so am I. So when he called and asked if I would play the villain in his latest game, I was like at the drop of a hat, absolutely. Cause I love working with John. He and I see character story and stuff very similarly cause we have that. A little bit of a classical background, and uh, one thing you have to understand is that Schizo's worldview is incredibly specific. A lot of times, when you play games or you play a character or you see a character's actions in the world, many times we try to see why that character is what they're doing, why why they're doing the things they do from our point of view, right? Mm-hmm. But Schizo's worldview is very specific. <laughs> And you realize fairly shortly after you meet him a couple of times that it's incredibly self-centered and self-serving, but yet he does want to protect Lost Lake because it's where he has power. And you, you start to realize that schizo is like not normal mentally in the way that you know most of your average human beings are. I imagined if you li- you had a hard upbringing or you couldn't trust the people around you growing up or you always had to do to maintain a, g- a given level of respect with people that some of the choices he makes would start to make more sense to you. Um, so yeah, so John and I had many discussions about him because, if you read just the lines, he says and stuff, he could seem like a real just a douchebag, just a dick, and you know, could be some cliche villain stuff in there or whatever. But if you if you play a bad guy as anything more than a good guy in a different story, you've messed up. You've you've portrayed them incorrectly, and they will come off as paper thin, mm-hmm. right? Right. So. One of the things about Schizo is, you know, giving him that meat that he has stakes and reasons behind the way that he's treating, um, oh God, I forgot the name of the lead character. Oh, Deke. Like he remembers the actor's face. Deke. Yeah, Deke. And it's almost like, like he's always putting Deke down or trying to put him in his place or whatever. And that's because he feels incredibly threatened by Deke. And, uh... At one point, we were on stage together, and the actor who plays Deke and I, we were just going through a scene. And I I delivered this line to his face on the mocap stage, and uh, he just stared at me for a second. And like I could tell, he was like, God, you're a dick. (laughs) Like behind his eyes, you could just see it. And uh, that's when you know you're doing a good job as an actor.
0: Absolutely, (laughs) yeah. Yeah, I think you, you just hit on everything that I like about Schizo. When I tell people that Schizo is my favorite character, I don't mean that I like him. He He's a fucking asshole. Like, I <laughs> oh, hate he's, he's horrible. Yeah, he's a douchebag. He's horrible. Yeah, 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 yeah. But everything you said about how he is doing things for a reason and how he has his own point of view and his own stakes and his own reasons for doing things it really brings him to life. I think he's such an interesting character that adds so much depth to the story. It's the
1: only way you can portray a character like that. Because it really, if you just read the lines, I mean, not that John is not a talented writer. He's incredibly talented. And him and I discuss why we both think King Lear is the you know, most perfectly written drama structurally that ever existed. But, you know, it's so much more than just what's said when you have a character with that kind of, I don't know, I want to say tortured history where he's never gotten his due or he's always been afraid that he's going to lose whatever power he has and he's constantly just driving for something every time you see the guy. And you know people like this in life. like We've all met someone like Schizo where you're like, give it a fucking rest. You know? Dude. Yep. Not everybody's out to get you you're gonna be just fine whatever you have in life it's cool peace hakuna matata we all know people like schizo and uh that was what i wanted to try to create because i've met a few people like him and i'd never seen a character in a video game like that so I... That's what I wanted to build.
0: Yeah, and you were very successful. You you (laughs) definitely, (laughs) definitely succeeded. Did you have a lot of input with the the dialogue or any of the story points or any of Um, the details?
1: Some. John is such a a good writer to me that when he's writing, I can see what he's trying to say through his writing. So uh, talented writers usually have subtext, things that are going on underneath the lines pieces of the story that have yet to be told that are being slightly pre-told or hinted at in different lines and you can't betray any of that as an actor but it also has to be what's underneath what's guiding you to get something out of the scene or get something out of the other actor or leave it in a place when the scene is done that it makes sense when it connects later and for video games that's all that much more important because they're so disjointed when you're filming them and doing them and playing them so uh I, did, I There were lines, definitely. I mean, I ad-lib probably too much, and I don't know how much of that ends up in games uh, sometimes, but uh, I, I did feel that John's character, the one that he created, was so well architected that I didn't have to do a lot. I just had to be in the guy's skin. And uh, that's, I mean... I like those jobs those are easy (laughs) because as an actor you just have to get into their skin and then everything just kind of happens so yeah i'm sure i'm sure i improvised a few
0: lines (laughs) and with the you you mentioned doing the mocap how was it to to sort of get into the movement did you create specific kind of um physicalities with him
1: yeah i mean anybody who's watched the games that I've been in, it's incre- It's difficult to spot me in a game because I don't just walk around <laughs> usually, um, I, you know my gait is probably you couldn't pick me out of a crowd uh, because I've never played Jason Spizak in a video game, it's always been Schizo or Chum Bucket or Ukon in Gears of War, a 7 foot tall lizard creature, so with with Schizo um y- how do I say this? Yes, of course there's a physicality, but the physicality is directly related to the chip he has on his shoulder, the weight he's carrying or perceives to carry or wants other people to see that he's carrying, (laughs) even though it may not be, you know, the same weight of the world that other people find legitimate, you know. So, yes. One of the ways that uh, John described him to me was a a street thug who was smarter than your average street thug, but he finds himself in this new world without one half of the mechanics that makes things work on the street, and then the other half is very much like the way things used to work on the street. So he had to have that more urban rhythm in movement, just a little bit more relaxed, a little bit more cock of the head, a little bit more eyeing people up, rolling up on them when you walk, when you walk up to somebody, you know, you're rolling up on them. <laughs> and uh, you, it, it, that has to all be there. You know, you're not just walking around talking to people. You have a history and you have an agenda and you have a way you need to present yourself. And then another thing to me is just from Schizo's writing, A lot of times, depending upon who someone has as a father figure or a mother figure or a family to look up to, they end up an adult at different levels of maturation. So Schizo is a baby. He's a a child in many social circumstances, you know, who whines if he doesn't get his way, but he whines in an aggressive manner. And one of the first scenes you see him in is he's in there with Big Mike and he's pacing around and he's trying to convince you know, Big Mike, not to let this drifter in. And it's almost it's almost like he's he's whining authoritatively, <laughs> which is such a weird thing. But if you watch the scene again, you realize that he doesn't have all the power, and he's going about it in a childish kind of way. I, I don't I don't want people to watch Schizo and think he's a you know he's you know a kid in a man's body. But there's something about the mental maturation of, of emotional processing that if you didn't have a father to guide you, which you wouldn't have, you you end up a little childish in the way you pursue what you want, you know?
0: Yeah, no, I totally see that. I wonder if that uh, is kind of the reason why some people react so strongly to him because he does have that kind of, well, yeah. he, you're right, he's kind of whiny and, and yeah, and, yeah like childlike in a way. Yeah,
1: well, but we've all known people who put this front on. that They're fronting. We know people who are fronting, okay? And those people, it's obvious that they are trying to put one face out into the world because they're protecting an interior that is a little soft. Yeah. And not fully developed. And there's a scene where he leaves Deke for dead. Well, not leaves him for dead, but gives him up, you know. And at the start of that scene you don't really know he's doing that. You just see him, he had a bonding moment with Deke, he and, and during that scene I actually cried a little bit. You can't see it in the mocap, but the fact that he betrayed Deke because I mean, let's count the friends that Schizo hands on one hand. Oh wait, none. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, and and Deke was the first guy who could take all of Schizo's heat but still was like, hey man you know, like, wasn't falling for his bullshit or even engaging him most of the time. And that at that point, it's sort of like if you're in a relationship with somebody who's got some emotional quirks. And they just lay on you until they realize that you're not going to take the bait. And then you see the real them.
0: Yeah, it's almost like he forces him to, to drop those walls.
1: Right. And Deke had that effect on him. But, of course, in the back of Schizo's mind is that software that is, he has to get ahead. He has to do the thing that's going to be right for him. And he makes that choice. And that's yeah. part of John's brilliance in writing, is he laid that moment in there where Schizo could have just said, all right, man, let's just get out of here. As opposed to, oh, sorry, bro. <laughs> <laughs> he gets ganked, you know? Yeah, so I like characters that have those, I want to say growing moments, or at least growth opportunities because you know schizo doesn't take it mm-hmm. but it's at least present it's there as an audience member if you watch and listen so
0: yeah yeah i almost feel like maybe he was tempted for a second there is a moment's pause where it's like oh for sure is he going to like which way is and the first time you play it i was so shocked by that scene because i, know. I the way i was responding to schizo was The same way Deke was that like, oh, he's going to have a journey. Maybe he's going to have a journey. (laughs) Yeah, this is going to be someone that we're going to get along with. And then, no, but I think you're right. I think there is that little moment of pause where it's like he recognizes there's a choice. And which one's he going to choose? Why do you think Schizo has such a big chip on his shoulder what, what do you think is in the backstory? Because we don't get much backstory for him in the game.
1: Yeah, you don't. And John and I, typically as an actor, there's a saying that you don't bring your homework to work. So you don't need to tell anyone about that. You just do this homework on your own and it stays your private secret. And and whatever's in the script is considered you know, public or private based on who knows the, not the data. But you, you can't... Uh, you don't really share that with anybody. And so the specificity of his backstory, I mean, I knew, I figured he grew up without a father based on, you know, the writing and the things that John put there in the script. Um, and that he definitely lived on the street, you know, part of a urban gang of some kind. And he, when the world broke apart, he, what's really weird is I got the sense that he was never okay with just how things were that he thought things could be better, right? So, like, you don't get into a street gang thinking, well, when I take over this street gang, things are going to be better, right? But there's just something about him the way he's always... It's, it's selfish for an egotistical outcome that he thinks would be better for everybody, right? So the way I pictured him was if he was climbing up the ranks in an, in an urban gang before all this happened, in the back of his mind, he'd be like, the fools that are running this, I just wait till I'm in charge, because when I am, it's going to be better. There's going to be rules. There's going to be none of this, you know, senseless violence. Only if it absolutely has to, we'll, you know, we'll stick to a code. You know, I almost want to say traditional authoritarianism in a way, but you know, coming from mm-hmm. a, a guy who's from, you know, the the street, which is weird to think, right? But um, yeah, so. I, I, I pictured that was his, that was his backstory. I mean, definitely from urban environment, didn't have a dad, grew up a bit on the streets, time in and out of prison, but not a lot of time in prison because he's just a little too smart and just a little too childish, right? It, it's easy to play a hard man, but there's already two hard men in this show, in this script, <laughs> you know? It's Deke and his buddy. Those guys are really hard guys, and uh, like, yeah. Why would you do that though? It's 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 not written that way. I mean, you could play it that way, but uh, it's much more entertaining if he's not, to me.
0: Yeah, no, I I think that schizo just adds that different dimension in that that different kind of person who would survive something like this. Of because course, because it takes a certain type of character to survive yeah. the end of the world um so you are going to end up with the you know the the badasses and the um the the violent people and then you're going to end yeah. up with the smart people the yeah uh, as i like to call schizo he's a little bit of a weasel like he's yeah he's smarter than yeah, the yeah. average bear you know he knows yeah, how to yeah, yeah. manipulate people he knows how to stay alive because he can't i mean we see in the the end sequence the the final battle with schizo it's not a Boss fight. You know, it's not like trying to take down a breaker or something, you know, one of the big bad freakers. <laughs> no, it's not a
1: Gears of War boss fight against Exactly, U-Khan. yeah. No. He,
0: he can't really fight. I mean, he could probably shoot you, but that's about all he could do. He, but he's a different kind of villain.
1: He, he has elements of Iago in Othello. Uh, right. I don't know how familiar you are with any of the Shakespeare plays, but anybody who's listening, just read Othello after this. And there's definitely some elements of him whispering in the ear of whoever's in charge or whoever has the power and waiting to grab it himself, although he would never be worthy of it. And you would see in him that he would be a terrible leader, but in his mind, he believes he wouldn't be. For sure. I, you know, <laughs> I'm glad you found him interesting. <laughs> no, it's,
0: it's so cool. Um, how, how do you get into the right headspace as an actor to play villainous characters? And are they more fun to play than heroic characters?
1: Oh, by far. Yeah, yeah. I have a recording for a hero coming up this week and I can't talk about it, but uh, I mean, boring is paste. <laughs> you know, I mean, when I play the Joker, it, there's just so much to swim through there. You know, It's just, there, there's something about villains that, again, like I said, it's just a hero with a different ending. A villain is only, is just a hero in their own mind every time. And it's the fact that the, whoever's telling the story thought they were the bad guys, just a twist of fate and they're usually broken and have issues and i i tend to i tend to identify on some of those deeper levels especially in video games sometimes you're cast because the voice sounds right for whatever it is and i just i'm always trying to bring something more than just the way the person sounds and the reason is because in in real life people sound a certain way for reason they don't just sound that way, because they are a voice actor. <laughs> they, they sound <laughs> they sound that way because of where they're from, because of how they're feeling, because of you know either physical attributes, mental attributes, whatever. And uh, yeah, I always I always try to bring just a, a a bit more to it. And sometimes I make heroes too complicated for people to want me to play them. And I, I don't think that's going to be the case forever. I just think that's been much of the case so far. I mean, granted, Razor is a hero, but he's a really complicated hero. And Kid Flash is a hero, but he was a douche. He's not Superboy or Robin. I, I just, I mean, I'd love to play Batman because he's a very complicated hero. Well,
0: he's kind of an anti hero, almost.
1: Yeah, so that, that would make sense. So it doesn't, this doesn't qualify f- for everybody. Uh, but I, I just find that I, I end up playing villains because I'm. I'm able to access what makes them authentic and not cliche.
0: Yeah. Do uh, do fans give you any grief for so masterfully bringing to life one of the most, possibly the most detested video character of all time? And also, do you know there's an entire subreddit dedicated to hating on Schizo?
1: Well, I hope there is. I, I'm the kind of actor who is like, At the end of the theatrical performance, you go outside, and when there are people out there and they want to spit on you, you've done a great job. (laughs) Yeah, I don't care. I mean, anybody who understands storytelling and watches that performance is probably turned off by the authentic portrayal of somebody who has very few redeeming qualities and in the end didn't get to be redeemed at all. There wasn't a scene in which he got redeemed and then fell off the tower again. There was two moments of which he might be redeemed and stayed, you know, on the selfish path. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, I, I mean, I'm just an actor. so i I play what the writer and creators want to play. And people's reaction to it is, <laughs> to me, if they really hate him that much, it's glorious. They're not hating on Jason Spizak.
0: No, of course they're, not.
1: They're not because they don't even even think that way. When you see Schizo, there's him and I have no parallels at all. There's nothing common, you know, about us. And uh, they are hating on a man who is was portrayed and written as a weaselly piece of garbage. Who, if he wasn't in that story, Deke's life would have been much better. But isn't that the point?
0: Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and they probably
1: know somebody like him. That's probably yeah. why. <laughs> yeah, yeah
0: I, I do. I know I know a schizo, not as bad as schizo, but like a guy I used to work with who's uh, had schizo-like elements. And I think we all know someone like him. And I think that's one of the that's reasons the why he, he's so disliked. Um, obviously, he's not going to return to the franchise if there is ever a sequel. But would you come back to Days Gone to voice a different character?
1: Oh yeah, if if John would have me, I would, I, I'd beg him not to make me the bad guy again, like in Uncharted. And, uh, would you want Abyss to play and,
0: a, Would you want to play a hero this time on a, of a course. second go round?
1: Yeah, yeah, I'd love to play somebody who, you know, maybe a, a, a younger guy who comes up to, you know, if Deeks. Well, I mean, I don't know who would be in it or how it would be told, but if it's going to be a prequel or a sequel or whatever, just somebody who. Uh, Who's conflicted but makes the right decisions in the end? I guess someone who would you would call a hero? I guess. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'd, uh, <laughs> how about this? <laughs> I will act for food, and I I mean that literally. I, anything that someone wants me to portray, I'll do it, even if I'm another bad guy. And uh, John goes, "Look, I know everybody hated Schizo. Good job. This one, I want you to make them hate him too. I'm to do that." You know? <laughs>
0: What if we got a prequel, like a um, kind of origin story of Schizo? Would you would you oh, come back and yeah. do Schizo again? Well,
1: I'm fairly sure that Sony would not let it be uh, greenlit.
0: Yeah, no, I'm sure. <laughs> because, just because of the
1: hatred that people have for the character, which, which is which is funny because I've played a lot of characters that people didn't like. It doesn't reflect on me. Like for example, Lux Bonteri on Star Wars Clone Wars, a lot of people didn't like him. He was a very entitled foppish, sort of young, arrogant kid who had no business, you know, trying to get with Ahsoka and instead, you know, put himself and possibly others in danger. And he had some maturation as he got... You know, there were some episodes on Onderon where he showed a little bit more leadership and stuff. But there's a lot of people who just was like, can't Ahsoka the Wonder Jedi... Can't she find somebody better? This is bullshit. And that, And that's okay. Because jedis don't fall in love and you don't get to pick who you're attracted to and uh it's valuable to to tell that kind of story so yeah i'd play him in the theoretical (laughs) universe where people uh, you know wanted to see him again just to shoot him Uh, or or the uh blow up skizzle a thousand ways dlc come on there's there's money waiting to be made there
0: definitely i mean that's (laughs) that's just money in the bank all right one last question for you out of the projects that you have going on that you can talk about, where can we see you, hear you, find you next, and what's in the what's in the pipeline?
1: There's a League of Legends animated series called Arcane that was just announced. And I play Silco, which is, uh, well, I can't say whether he's a bad guy or a good guy or what, but you'll have to look at the pictures. <laughs> I'm pretty sure when you see the pictures, you'll realize the kind of guy he is. And uh, that debuts on Netflix on November 6th. And it is one of the most beautifully animated series I've ever had the luxury to be a part of. And it's incredibly well written. And the music is phenomenal. And if you don't get to the third episode and your heart isn't in it to win it for this series, you're not hooked up right. Arcane, it's Arcane Show on Instagram and a bunch of other places, and it's uh, Netflix November 6th.
0: Yeah, you posted a, a few things, uh, a few clips on your Instagram, I believe, from that, and it, it looks fantastic.
1: <laughs> it's insane is how good it is. The amount of time and effort and energy that went into just the writing and the animation. It, uh, it, it's like no other show. It Take, take other shows where they spend a whole year making it and multiply that times seven. And, yeah. And I, I was honored to play the role
0: they asked me to play. So good. It's just so good. Can't wait to check it out. Um, thank you so, so much for being here and chatting oh, sure. with me. And thank you so much for bringing Schizo to life in, in such a, a wonderful way that it has inspired so many people to create subreddits <laughs> where they talk about kicking him in the balls and post videos of setting him on fire and things like that. Um, but also, like he's genuinely, I think, something that that really makes Days Gone come alive. And without Schizo, I don't think I'd be doing this podcast. I don't Aww. think a lot of people would be replaying the game as often as they do. This game is... It's, it really does hook people in. Everyone I talk to about this game is like, "Yeah, I'm on my second, third, fourth, fifth playthrough," and it's a huge game. It's not the kind of yeah. game you normally replay.
1: They they recreated all of Bend Oregon. I mean, like, it's crazy. I know
0: it's insane. It's so cool. But it was such a pleasure to talk to you. I really do appreciate you jumping on the podcast. Oh, the pleasure is mine. Thank you, Claire. You can email me your thoughts, comments, opinions, and counterarguments at daysgonepod at gmail.com. You can also find me moderating the Days Gone subreddit. Thanks for listening. Weaver out.